Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. You know how passionate I am about the issue of life in this country. And now that we are living in a post-Roe world, we have an opportunity to reframe the discussion around abortion. My guest today is Mark Spence. He's the senior vice president at Living Waters out of Los Angeles, California. I've seen him out on the road. He's a popular speaker at conferences and universities. And his latest project, What Is It?, which is a pro-life film, is available now on Blu-ray, DVD, and streaming. This is going to be a great conversation. If you want to be able to talk to your friends about abortion from a position of strength, stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. So thank you for tuning in. For those of you who are watching this on the Internet, you can see that I have moved yet again. I am now in another room in the new building and uh, we're making our way through the entire transition here. So thank you guys for being patient with us as we make this transition. I'm thrilled today to have Mark Spence on the show. I've seen him a whole bunch out on the circuit, and he is a prolific speaker and has a very important voice in the abortion discussion. Mark, welcome to the show. Heidi, thank you for having me. Thank you for what you're doing. Boy, uh, loving your podcast and uh, the reach that you're having as well. Tremendous. Well, thank you. I, you know what? Warriors got a warrior, right? So you're out there. And I think this is an amazing time for God's people to be who God says we are. And you guys are, I mean, living waters, come on. I mean, you've been out on the front lines of the culture wars for a really long time. And I'm curious to know what you'd say now versus 10 years ago. Well, listen, God's always had his remnant. You know, it's not something for us to really worry. I've been telling people since the time of COVID that you're allowed to worry and pace back and forth as much as God is worried and pacing back and forth. <laughs> You're allowed to have sweat on your brow as much as God has sweat on his brow. And we know that he is not anxious for anything. So we're just going to keep on going and we're going to occupy until he comes. Man. So you're, in other words, you're saying engage the culture from a position of strength. Yeah. And, and we do have that position of strength. We, we can't forget about it, right? The Bible is our ultimate source of authority. We stand on God's word. We hide behind God's word and we unleash it to the masses, whether that's large groups or small groups. Jesus mm. went out of his way for the woman at the well. We go out of our way for the individual across the street or in the grocery store. Yeah, it's true. And the abortion discussion, which has been raging in this country since uh, since 1971, really, has changed now because we are in living in a post-Roe world and the Supreme Court really doing what it should have done all along, which is to say this this issue doesn't belong here. This is a state's rights issue. They did not make a moral decision, right? They just kicked it back to the states. And so we have an opportunity to frame the discussion again. But dude, you're a guy. What gives you the right to talk about this? Isn't it a women's issue? Yeah. Isn't that what we get out on the streets? But it's weird. Think of the society in which we live in, Heidi, right? You're a man. You have no uterus. Therefore, you don't get to have a say. But at the same time, even though you don't have a uterus, you can be a female. Come on. Right. So th this is where the argument has come. We fight for women's rights. We want equality, but we can't define what a woman is. Mm -hmm. What's the problem? So usually when this comes up, and it depends how the question is asked and framed. Sometimes if it's somebody that's antagonistic, I might say, are you assuming my gender? Right. And, and I, you know, it's, it's just kind of tongue in cheek. Right. Obviously. But uh, they love you're, when you're, you do that. Yeah, it depends. You know, there's quite a few videos of me out there kind of sparring with people on Huntington Beach. Um, I, I'm so passionate about the subject. We were out doing some evangelism for our television program, and my producer looked at me and he said, Mark, 
please do me a favor. Let's not talk about abortion this interview. And then next thing I know, one of the gentlemen I was talking to, which he was next to his girlfriend, I think, he brought up the subject of abortion. So I looked over to the producer and he goes, okay, go, go, go right ahead. And she said, you know, I feel very uncomfortable standing around a couple of guys talking about a woman's issue. And I said, well, let, let me just ask you a quick question here. If it is a woman's issue, would you agree that abortion should never become legal on a federal level? Because on January 20th, 1973, there were nine men on the U.S. Supreme Court who presided with Roe v. Wade. In other words, there were all men who decided that abortion should be legal across all the states. Now, two dissented, granted, but there were seven men that said, uh, hey, this, this should be the case. And what's the answer? Well, listen, this, this is not a woman's issue. This is not a man's issue. This is a human rights issue. That's right. More importantly, this is a gospel-centric issue. God has already spoken up on the subject. It's like saying, hey, you know what? I don't own a gun, so therefore I don't get to have an opinion about war. Well, no, no, listen, can't we just analyze the discussion and see if there's some honest argumentation that'll lead us to an honest conclusion? Mm -hmm. That's what we need to do, mm -hmm. right? So I don't believe in that gender politics. We need to be careful to exclude anybody from a conversation that includes everybody. Yeah, that's right. And the same argument really has been coming out of our pulpits for a very long time, right? The church has refused to engage in the conversation about abortion because they'll tell you, well, churches don't belong in politics. This is a political football, but actually this is a moral issue. And if it belongs anywhere, it belongs in the church. Yeah, I think it was William Wilberforce who said uh, every abortion mill, if you would, paraphrasing, should be open with a sign that says open by permission of the local church. Mm. because the local church is not doing enough. Now, there are some great churches. Rob McCoy is doing a great work. Uh, Jack Hibbs is doing a great work when it comes to mobilizing the church, going out to the abortion mills, the highways, the byways, and the gutterways, compelling people to not just save physical life, but for spiritual life as well. It starts with the church. It starts with the individual. It's like the reformer who drew a circle in the middle of his room and said, God, send a revival, but start with everybody inside my circle which is ourself, the man in the mirror. Yeah, it's really, it's interesting to me as I'm watching the debate sort of change now in this post-Row era that we find ourselves in. And it, I feel like we complicate the issue, right? So instead of getting down to the brass tacks of it, we want to talk about the woman who's experienced a rape or a woman who's gotten pregnant as a result of an incestuous relationship. We want to mince words about what life looks like and when it begins and when it's worthy of protection. And it reminds me a lot of the arguments that we hear in the church where people say, well, you know, we're, talk we're talking about homosexuality or we're talking about, uh, well, you name it, any kind of sin issue. And we convolute it like we've convoluted male and female. It's pretty simple. If you have an XY chromosome, you're a man, right? And uh, I think we're doing the same thing around the issue of abortion. And you really have stood up against that and said, no, this is actually not a complex issue. How do you counter the argument? Well, listen, it may be psychologically complex for the woman who now has to face a decision that is going to, um, I guess, direct her future. But think about what we do when it comes to racism. Mm -hmm. we, we don't spin a tale and say, well, listen, there's a lot of white people in uh, position who need to make an agonizing decision concerning racism and mm -hmm. racist and other people. No, we don't do that. We just, we call it what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to do. 
our colleges, which should be a bastion of critical thinking, a place where people can come together and discuss ideas and thoughts in a very respectful way, has completely changed. Consider my daughter in her mathematics class in college. Her professor said, if you are a Christian, you will not do well in this class. Mathematics. This is a her mathematics said class. Her? her professor said that to her. Wow. And I'm like, I want to go back to college all over again and enter back into a situation in a scene where these professors who lord over their students to demonstrate that Christianity is intelligent. I recently was on the campus at Citrus College and I was open air preaching. We, we have a big film crew that travels with us when we do this. And I start off by saying, listen, Christianity is intelligent. It can handle your hard hitting, probing questions. Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? What's going to happen to me when I die? Mm-hmm. Be careful with the questions that you ask because somebody once said, questions are dangerous because there's answers. And I had an astronomy professor come up across from me and he was coming up against me and he wasn't getting very far, right? I've been uh, kind of uh, studying underneath that's, Jason Lyle. That's hard for people. me to believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, you know, this professor ended up walking away and I called him on it and I said, sir, you're not used to coming against somebody who studies for a living. You're used to putting your students in their place. Let's just have a dialogue. I mean, please, right? Mm-hmm. We're not enemies because we have different worldviews. We mm-hmm. can agree to disagree and go our way. So we came back and for 45 minutes, we had a sword fight. It went really well. We haven't released uh, the footage just yet, but uh, by God's grace, it didn't go well for him. And the gospel was preached and people were affected. And that was the most important thing. Yeah. And I think it's encouraging for the lots and lots of young people who are listening to this right now to say, hey, the gospel is, we can make a defense for it, but we've kind of gotten lazy, it seems to me, in uh, in Christianity. We haven't been equipped to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And so a lot of the same questions that keep coming up, they're just these tired questions. If we don't have an answer for them, they're going to continue to ask the questions. We have to be willing to engage in the discussion, which means we better do our homework, right? Yeah, listen, if, if we're not praying for our kids, no one is. And if we're not preaching to our kids, everyone is. Mm. You are always being discipled. Our kids are always being discipled. We, we live in a day and age where we get our news from Instagram reels. So we need to be careful what we take in, how we digest it, and what we do with our time. I choose to be about my father's business, right? I've told the Lord many times, I'll go anywhere as long as it is forward. And no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much I kick and scream, I don't, I don't want to be out of your will. So whatever you want to do, my answer in advance is yes, 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 a million times yes. Now tell me what you'd want me to do. It's really that simple. Every morning when I wake up, I slide open the sliding glass door of my master bedroom. I go over and I salute and I say, Lord, reporting for duty. I don't know what today holds, but I know who holds today. I'm excited for today because perhaps today might be my last day. And that's really how I start off every one of my days. And then when I go to bed, I go right back over to my sliding glass door. I salute, I fall into my bed and I say, "Ah," that's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. One of our um, very favorite people here at Friendly Planet Film, he's been uh, supporting this ministry for years and years. I want to say it was maybe 10 years ago. He said that to me, that I wake up every morning and I just say reporting for duty. That's why we're here. We're not, we're not here for any other reason than to serve the Lord and give glory to him. And to me, we've got a very unique opportunity right now to really speak into the lives of a generation that's asking questions. They're finally asking questions, right? I feel like, 
15, 20 years ago, when my generation was just coming into college, we weren't asking the questions. We were too arrogant to ask questions. But this generation really is asking, and we need to be ready to give an answer. That's a large part of what you guys are doing at Living Waters, right? Just equipping people. It, it absolutely is. We want to inspire people and equip people to reach this generation of people. Last week when I was in England, I was open-air preaching, demonstrating once again that Christianity is intelligent. And I had so many atheists that were coming up that were lined up at the microphone to have a cordial dialogue. It didn't start off that way. Now, I'm not going to lose my cool, right? Greg Kokel once said, listen, if they lose their cool or if you lose your cool, you both lose. Mm. And we don't want to lose in the midst of that. Because Christianity is intelligent, we could just be slow to speak. So these individuals that were kind of lined up, I said, hey, relax, man. We're, we're just two different worldviews. I'm going to buy you coffee afterwards. We'll go get a sandwich. Everything is okay. And when, by the time we were done, this one atheist, he said, Man, I'm used to Christians standing on the corner and screaming at people or holding these sandwich boards. And listen, I'm not going to judge how another person does the way they do it and the way they're reaching people the way they think mm -hmm. is best. But as for me, I want to contend for the Christian faith because it is intelligent and demonstrate that I'm not worried about the questions that are going to be asked. And that's not to say, Heidi, that I have all the answers to every question, but I have the most important questions answered because Scripture tells me those answers. Well, and reframing it around abortion again, what's the number one question that we need to be asking when we want to discuss abortion? What is it? What is the pre-born? Imagine, Heidi, if you woke up early on a Saturday morning to your son calling out to you from the other room, right? Uh, mommy, mommy, may I kill it? Now, without any other context, you'd probably respond back and say, uh, Charlie, ki kill what? What is it that you want right. to kill? If Charlie responds back and says, mommy, there's a big, ugly cockroach on the, on the wall. Can I kill the cockroach? Now kill you it. respond back with, kill it, son. Take dominion. Uh, <laughs> clean it up before Sally, your sister, wakes up and uh, we'll move forward with our day. Now, imagine if Charlie responded back and said differently. No, it is my sister, Sally. Sally is driving me crazy with her talk about her dolls, mom. Please. Now you wake up your spouse in a frenzy saying, hey, our little Charlie's turned into Chucky. We need to get the pastor on the horn. I don't know what's going on, right? Well, same is the case with abortion. Before we can answer what a woman may do with what is growing inside of her, we need to answer the question, well, what is it? What is inside the womb of the mother? And so you've made a documentary, right? You're, you're out uh, in California, Southern California. Are you asking this question? I am. Yeah. So I went out on the streets and inside the, the, the film, you can see this. I remember talking to one gentleman specifically. I said, well, how do you feel about abortion? And he says, well, I think it's a woman's right to choose. And I, and I said, well, we're, we're talking about choice. I mean, I think hot chocolate over coffee is a choice. Tattooed makeup is a choice. Salad over steak, USC over UCLA. Those are choices. I mean, I'm very pro-choice, but I think the word choice has been hijacked into the conversation. He says, well, it's her body. And I said, do you really believe that if a woman is pregnant with a male, that she's half male, half female? And she said, and he said, well, the woman? I said, yes. He says, yeah, I do. I think that she's half male, half female. So if she's pregnant with two twin boys, she's mostly male. He goes, yeah, I, 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 I guess I do believe that. And I begin to reason with him concerning the 
the absolute absurdity of that position. And by the time we were done, he changed his position and he changed his mind about the gospel as well to boot. So wow. that was good. Wow. And all right, so talk to the person who is trying to have this conversation with their neighbor or someone that they go to university with or someone who is a coworker. And they're trying to figure out how do we wade into such choppy cultural waters? Because you have a grace about you and you've been doing this for a long time. But most of us haven't had the, you know, haven't had the Jason Lyle privilege in our lives, you know, <laughs> so to center these some of the brightest minds in all of Christianity. But when you're talking about ordinary people like Heidi St. John out on the road talking, where do we start? How do you start a conversation? Well, listen, that's some people that tender. Some people just don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So, for example, when the subject of rape and incest come up, it's not to see whether or not the baby has a heartbeat. It's to see if you have a heartbeat. Do you care what this woman is going through? So if we can pause long enough to realize that this is a distinct human being created in the image of God, worthy of dignity and respect just because they are created in the image of God, well, then I can love on this individual whether they are a Christian or whether they're an atheist, it, it doesn't matter. We're all on this same road, the same journey called life, and I'm not quick to get my mantra statements out of me. I mean, I could easily twist you into a, a doctrinal pretzel, no matter what you believe, unless it's uh, coincided with Scripture. But that's not my job to do that. I want to point them to Jesus Christ because this pro-life argumentation is a gospel-centric issue. I can get somebody to change their mind about abortion. It really is not that difficult because all the answers are on the Christian side. But what I want to do is I want to change the heart. I want there mm. to be a change, not just of presuppositions, but a change of the mind and the emotion and the will. If I get somebody to change their mind about abortion and now they become pro-life, what's going to happen? They're going to practice safe sex. Whatever that even means, they'll still be fornicating, but they'll be on their way to hell. Right, because the Bible says no fornicator will inherit the kingdom of God in First John, First Corinthians chapter six. So I want to change uh, their heart and their mind, and this is where the gospel comes in. And Paul said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel; it is the power of God unto salvation." Before I became a Christian, I believed in evolution. I was pro-choice. I, I did not believe in homosexuality being a thing for the day, but that's because it wasn't around 35 years ago. But if it was today, I would have believed LGBTQ was a okay. But when I became a Christian, then I was able to see in full dimensional color, full paradigm shift, I became a new creature, a new creation. And this is why this argumentation has to always go back to Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because if we, do that, if we don't do that, there's a great disservice that is happening within our conversations with the lost. So be slow to speak with the people around the water cooler. Be quick to listen to what they're going through. Uh, sympathize and empathize if you have the ability to do so. And then talk about, you know, hey, I was at church or I was reading this inside the Bible. Do you have any sort of Christian background, religious background? What do you think happens after we die? And then close the lips, listen to the person speak, and then you're going to allow uh, the conversation to head into a direction, believe it or not, um, that'll be very uh, worthwhile, you know, once they see how much you care. And are people going to get an opportunity to see you doing this in what is it? That is what happens. I roll up my sleeves, I hit the streets, and I just kind of go for it. In fact, you know, if you were to ask me, where is abortion heading in America? Undoubtedly, it's heading towards infanticide. 
I went on the college campuses there here in Southern California at Cal State Fullerton, and I had a, a fake petition. And it was, hey, sign my petition to legalize infanticide. You would not believe the amount of students that were signing my petition to kill the newborn, not just the preborn, but the newborn. And people were signing it one after the next. And you know what? You're, you're right. I, I guess this is something that we should uh, take to heart. And this is nothing new. This was argued in November 2019 before Congress with Planned Parenthood. Peter Singer, he, is, he, he wrote a book on practical ethics. He teaches at Princeton University. I think he's from Australia. He argues inside of his book, Practical Ethics, that infanticide should be legal up to uh, 29 days. But I believe his personal conviction is up to five years after the child is born. And he, he says, listen, it is a person, it is a human being, but still, listen, it's just hard on mom and dad. They need to decide at that point, at some point, what to do. Well, that that's what the kids are teaching. And this is the book in all the Ivy League schools, the go-to book. And so you actually, so people have no trouble saying that to you out on the road. Yeah. In fact, I set up a table, kind of change your mind, Stephen Crowder table saying, hey, mm -hmm. I believe that abortion uh, is wrong, changed my mind. And I had one woman that came up to my table there in Huntington Beach. And she said, listen, I'm a nurse. I believe it is a human being. I will not argue with that. I think that if you put a, a baby in front of me right now, I would kill it. <gasps> this is a nurse practicing here in Southern California. We haven't released the full unedited video of that. And we're going to do that here pretty soon as well. But you can hear her seeing that, and hear her saying that and seeing her say that there inside of uh, the film as well. That is, that's unbelievable. That's demonic. Dude. It is. That, that, that crosses, that crosses even the normal conversations that we have. The film, What Is It? is available now, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming. Who is this film suitable for? So are we talking about, this is something you can watch with your 12-year-old kid, something that we could watch at our churches. Are you hoping people will watch this on a, a Wednesday night in church or what, what yeah, are you guys hoping? Great question. Come September 6th, when we release it on YouTube, we are actually bringing a lot of different churches together that will be showing this film in their local church that week. And we recommend anybody that wants to become equipped and inspired to be able to watch it. Uh, there's nothing gruesome inside the film. It uses sound argumentation, answering the most common objections with abortion, and then segueing that over into the gospel. People change their minds on abortion. They change their minds about who Christ is. And ultimately, the, the ending is something that is so unbelievably beautiful where it shows a woman contemplating having an abortion and uh, changing her mind. Wow. Wow. Well, now's the time. I mean, if ever there was a time to get some handles on this argument and teach people how to have it, now's the time. I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, you don't have to keep me posted. So the release on YouTube, September 6th, and any church can participate? They can. Yeah. Go to our website, livingwaters.com. And uh, look for what is it? It's it's going to be up there very soon on how they can participate. But we, we send it out to our newsletter. We have, um, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people on our newsletter. But we'll also our YouTube channel, we have, I think, 250 million views, 1.2 million subscribers on our YouTube channel. And all it is is us just rolling up our sleeves, hitting the streets, engaging in the culture concerning trending topics, and getting right back to Jesus Christ and him crucified. I love it. Well, that is the point, isn't it? When are you going to be at Answers in Genesis next? The Pastors uh, Conference, which is in 
September or October of uh, mm-hmm. this year. And then I'm back there for the College Expo at the beginning of November. My wife's going to be in Israel at that time while I'll be over at the Ark. Oh, man, I love it. Well, you guys are just doing amazing things for the kingdom. Mark Spence, you are a treasure to the Lord. I so thank you for coming on and for the work that you're doing to teach people how to share the gospel with compassion and truth. It really is a blessing. Oh, Heidi, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any place else you want me to send people before I let you go today? You know, just go to our website, livingwaters.com. We want to equip you. We want to inspire you. Uh, obviously, I'm on all the social media platforms. If you want to look up my name, Mark Spence, where uh, you can watch me out on the streets engaged in dialogue with, as well. So, I love it. Fantastic. Mark Spence, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, Heidi. God bless you. Thank you. You as well. For more information on today's guests, you guys can head on over to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Until I see you guys again, hang in there, keep sharing the gospel, and I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.